Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts. This is In Much Less Detail, the podcast. It is Saturday, October 28, 2017. I am Jay Dre. Well, once again, he's not along yet. Looks like he finally made it into the soundboard. I'll get him plugged in here. There he is. You made it. Am I on the air? Oh, yes, you are. You don't even have to ask. <laughs> if I see it say Dre, I know you're on the air. I don't know anymore. I log in the regular way and it never seems to work. So I have to call in like I'm a guest. So I I don't know what connects anywhere. I'm just trying. I'm throwing anything against the wall to see what sticks. Are you hearing me twice, by the way? Yeah. (laughs) Hi, Trini. Hi. Am I echoing? I'm... No. Oh, okay. How you doing? Good. Good. You're up late on Saturday night? Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I love you. Oh. I love you guys too. <laughs> I like so much. <laughs> Is that Grant? So I haven't much. actually heard Grant's voice before. So much. Grant, why don't you tell Uncle Andre what you're going to be for Halloween, buddy? I'm going to be a Darth Vader. You're going to be Darth Vader? Yeah. Ooh, I'm that's so scary. Cool. You told him. I'm going to be. um. Wonder Woman. Oh, Trini's going to be Wonder Woman. Yep. That's good. And Daddy's going to be a scary Darth Vader. Yep. We're trying to make Daddy Kylo Ren. Oh, you are? Yeah. I didn't know that. Wow, okay. I didn't know that you guys were planning on getting me dressed up. Oh, okay. I love you. Oh, you don't have to turn it. That doesn't work anymore. You don't have to talk into that. The microphone's over here. I love you. Hey, he can hear you. <laughs> I love you guys, too. Oh, are you singing now? Wow. Okay, Grant, did you want to say something? Yeah. Well, come here. Say something, buddy. You can talk. It's okay, buddy. Hello. Hello. 
Uncle Andre. It's Uncle Andre. Do you remember me? I don't think Grant remembers you. Oh. I I can hear him. You can hear me, right? I can hear you right now. Hello. Grant's just talking. Hello. There you go, buddy. See, he's talking to you. See? Hello. Hello. (laughs) Okay. Hello. This is your first time on. You don't have to keep saying hello, buddy. He hears you. I'm Darth Vader. Yeah. What does Darth Vader say? Oh, that's scary. <laughs> that is scary. Wow. Okay, good night, buddy. Good night. You want to say good night? Good night. You don't need to have buns. You can say good night. Good night. Good night, bud. Love you. All right, I'm here. That's great. Q factor all up in the house. I love it. Well, I figured we had to double down on the Q factor tonight because anything rather than talking about that game on Thursday night. Uh, yeah, I I completely agree. So I was I figured you know, co-producer, co-host. I I, I made an executive decision there and said we got to up the Q factor on the show here. Because God, I don't want to talk about that game. One hundred percent agree. There's nothing to talk about. It was forty to nothing. It was, oh my God. Well, not just that, but we were both on the wrong side of it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so not only was it forty to nothing, but we were both on the absolute wrong side of that game. So well, yeah. What? Yeah. Is there? You can't take anything away from it other than wow. What the heck were we thinking? No, the one and only one newsworthy thing that came out of the game, of course, was the hit on Joe Flacco by Kiko Alonso. So, did yeah. you see it? What did you think of it? And I, I don't know. Everything gets everything gets so overanalyzed and and parsed down now because of all with all these hits in the slow mo, and it was a hard hit. I don't know if it was necessarily you know like dirty. But today, it's oh, of course, it's obviously it's a flag. I'm sure it's a fine. I don't know if any of that. I haven't paid attention to the news with that this week. So you'll have to fill me in if what if there was what if any disciplinary stuff came down from that because I did not get any of that. But I don't remember seeing any news handed down okay. yet. Well, you know, it was probably going to come yeah. in the middle of next week. Yeah. Middle of next week. So we'll we'll see what comes down the line from that. So what did you think? I mean, were you where did you fall on that? It looked really nasty, but I didn't think it was late because of the speed that Alonzo was coming at Flacco. I don't think it's reasonable to expect him to pull up and slow down when he sees Flacco going to the slide because he was coming at him too fast to slow down and slide. I, the one thing I'll grant is that the forearm to the head looked really nasty, looked like it should be punished. Uh, so I, I I see the flag, and I'll understand whatever punishment gets handed down. But to be totally honest, my very first initial reaction was, ooh, that's nasty. Flacco is obviously dumplings, and he's obviously out of the game. But I don't know if that should even be a flag. or I don't. It, it, looks, it looks so fast that I don't know how much fault you could really – put on Alonzo as if he was trying to knock his block off or he was trying to do something dirty. He was just trying to come at him fast to make a play. Uh, the guys that rail against plays like that and, and see something like that and go, well, he is obviously dirty and he was trying to, to hurt Flacco and he was obviously 
Tony Romo went on about he should have pulled up, and he obviously had a lot of time to pull up after they kept showing the slow, slow motion replay of it, which, of course, makes it look like he had plenty of time to slow down. I think in real time, there's no way he had time to slow down the acceleration. And the guys that scream and say that he had time are the guys that never defended the day in their fucking lives. I'm sorry. And I never played in any NFL either. I never played organized football at all. But even I'm smart enough to know, no, he did not have time to slow down because he's a world-class athlete and he's going as fast as possible to try to make a play. And no, he he could not have slowed down. The forearm to the head part, fine. But I, I didn't really think it was a dirty play at all. Yeah, and that we we've talked about this so many times with the with the speed of the game and you know, you can take anything and slow it down and, and nitpick anything apart. Oh look, if you look at that exact microsecond there when something could have happened, he he maybe could have, you know, lowered something. You know, th- this has all happened and it's bam bam. You know, it is it is instantaneous. You're asking guys that are running at top speed to alter the way that they're moving to, to possibly avoid a hit. It seems like it's going to create more injuries that way. So, yeah, that was probably in a game that was such a blowout, very Ravens of the Ravens to do that to us, by the way. The only, yeah, the only newsworthy item is Joe Flacco got lit up on a big hit. You didn't, you don't have much to talk about from that game. That was so Ravens, wasn't it? That was also so home team on a short week on a Thursday night, which I've been saying for the longest is something that should be given extra special credit, and then I don't do it, and that's uh, that's the price I pay for that. But we 40 to nothing? 40 to nothing. No, I did not see that at all. Did not see that coming at all. I don't think anybody saw that. If In fact, if you were sitting there watching the pregame, you know, where all the guys on NFL Network and CBS are picking the game, Everybody had that, oh, 24-21, 21-17, you know, 17-10. to 10. I love when these guys pick the scores of games. I didn't see anybody up there with 40 to nothing. That would be really ballsy if somebody would do that. I'd love to see that myself someday. That usually only happens if it's a player that had a, has a grudge against the team uh, that he's picking against. Like, if Steve Smith, if they let him pick a game in, involving the Pittsburgh Steelers, he might be the first person to predict a shutout or something. Yeah, the, the Browns are going to beat the Steelers uh, 35 to nothing tonight. Five touchdowns. I'm, I'm telling you right now. But again, in, an, in this offensive football, another shutout. Another shutout another in this NFL. This season, man. This fucking season. God. Um, I, it's. Forget you were riding high. On the show. This doggone season. Yeah. Oh. They're, off, they're off the show now. So I guess the biggest question for me tonight is, how do I sound? Uh, like you're in a fish tank. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little uh, – sounds like I'm on – because I'm on an open microphone right now. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. in, a, in a fish tank. So I'm getting the echo? Yeah, I can, I can tell you're in a big room, like a basement or something. Yeah, I am in my basement. Okay. Yeah. How about that? How <laughs> about that? I've got I've got a setting on here that I can play with to try to get it to sound a little bit better. So let me know if it gets any better during the show here. Whatever you just did sounds better to me. Um, Excellent. Well, I had it on. The, I had this microphone. I finally decided to switch to a desktop microphone. Okay. Um, so I had, it's got settings on it. I mean, this thing is like really advanced. It's got like different settings. So I put it on a setting because I knew I was going to have my kids here with me. I put it on a setting so that it would pick up 
more of like an open area. Right. So it was picking up all of them, even though, you know, a couple of the times it was picking them up, they weren't right by me. So now I've got it on the podcast setting. So, ah, which works because you're on a podcast. Perfect. <laughs> Interesting how those things work. Yeah. No, I, I, I thought I'd, I thought I'd uh, in, enjoy um, something different here for the show. So I thought I would, I thought I would switch to a desktop microphone, maybe a little bit of better audio fidelity. See how that sounds. It sounds very good. Sounds very professional. Well, thank you. <laughs> Radio man on the, on the microphone now on the stick. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's about the only breakdown we need for that Thursday night game. So we'll try to wash that taste out of our mouth and make the rest of the, of the games here in week eight uh, against the spread. Uh, I guess I will give the plugs here. You are listening live to blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail with two of the most adorable guest hosts you could possibly have at the start of the show. Um, and plain old me and Jason the rest of the way. So sorry to disappoint, but if you want to listen to the show uh, as a podcast after this live portion is over, this live hour, uh, we'll have a, this live part and an after show after this live part is over. You can listen to all that as a podcast by going to uh, Apple, to the Apple store, to iTunes, or to many different uh, podcasting apps and websites out there. Just search for in much less detail, the podcast. And if we pop up, go ahead and subscribe and you'll get every new show that we do uh, as soon as it's ready to go. I'm on Twitter at IMLDDre. Jason is on Twitter at IMLDJTG. You can always send us a note via email. You can send that to InMuchLessDetail at gmail.com. And all of these picks will be up on our blog after we're done with our show. And the blog site is InMuchLessDetail.blogspot.com, where my percentage continues to go down, down, down with every passing week. And hopefully I can stem the tide and turn it around. I've got my stats. I've got my trends. I've I even looked up the weather because it's turned into uh, it went from summer to winter in about three days, at least down here. I don't know how the rest of the country did, but well, yeah, all I can say is I walked out this morning in flurries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. here. That's it's normal there. though. I, I have to say, it might sound shocking, but you, we usually see the first snowfly around here around Halloween. Now, if you go three hours north of where I am, you get up into the Arrowhead of Minnesota, um, the very far northern reaches of Wisconsin into the UP of Michigan, they got 10 inches of snow Ooh. yesterday, and that's within 100 miles of here. So we were lucky that all we got, nothing stuck. So all we got was a little bit of rain and you know a little bit of uh, flurry action. Like when I walked out this morning uh, in the headlights on the car, you could see that it was snowflakes. I was like, well, okay, I've got my first, got my first taste of snow here for the season. I definitely do want to give a big, have to big a give a, a big thanks to my my wife, my children's mother uh, today for allowing them to stay up for the show. This was planned. Uh, I wanted to get them on the show here, so mm -hmm. getting them to stay up till nine o'clock is a is a big deal because seven thirty is bedtime. Oh, okay. Wow, that that is a, a big move. Then, yeah, very much appreciated. And we also we also wanted to get my son on the show because that's the first time I believe that Grant's been on the show. It might be the first time you've ever even talked that's to Grant. The, 
the first time outside of some some babbling that I've heard Grant speak at all. So yeah. I was very excited for that. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know if you knew who it was right away. I kind of did. He's he's not exactly doesn't sound exactly the same as his sister, but it is very very close. Yeah. Um, now he he's the one that likes to say hello a lot. He was yeah. We, they, we, I had them down here tonight because we were playing with the microphone a little bit. So I had it set up so that you, they could hear what they were saying. And my, my daughter just wanted to sing. All she was doing was singing <laughs> and being a total ham. Like she thought she was on stage. My mm-hmm. son just wanted to say hello. Hello. Yeah. So oh, that's that, what he continued, did. that continued on into the show. <laughs> well, he, he had a and, goal and, and, and he, he achieved it. And he told you he loved you like 10 times. <laughs> Even though he didn't remember me, I asked, "Do you remember me?" He was like, "Uh." <laughs> he said, no, no, he's seen you on video or pictures. You know, like we look at family pictures or family videos, anything that we have from like when we were down by you guys. He's seen that, but that's it. That's as far as his memory goes. That's right. all he knows. So, see, <laughs> instead of talking about that game on Thursday night for twenty minutes, <laughs> we got entertained. Much, much better entertainment. Oh, by a mile than what that gave us so you're, you're welcome <laughs> thank you very much speaking of entertaining what are we uh highlighting we got the spooky night here but yeah. uh we only we only really discussed the one game that we know needs to be spotlighted as a terrible game which is the colts and the Bengals. uh so the direction we can go after that is a bunch of really mediocre games there's a whole lot of those or there's a couple of games with really terrible teams against really good teams, which comprise right. the biggest spreads of the week. So I don't know which which direction you want to go there. You know, the way I look at this week, I'm glad this is Halloween week because there isn't even a lot of regular yeah. highlight action material this a week. A lot of so, yeah, bleh. <laughs> we sort of We sort of picked the perfect week uh, or, you know, the schedule worked out perfectly, I should say to have this happen because boy there is some junk in the yes, schedule this week so there's there's a there's a couple of good games i will give you that i'm sure we'll get into those in a little bit more detail in the after show but yeah i mean we've got what vikings and browns that's a that's a terrible game yeah colts and bengals is truly an awful game and yeah you got, yeah, you got the two teams with no wins yeah We've got the Niners playing at the Eagles. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, winless teams should be getting some, some highlight action as far as I'm concerned. Because again, probably the last time we're going to talk about them. It would be better if they played each other, which is what we usually get. <laughs> right. Why couldn't it be Browns against 49ers? No, that, that makes perfect sense to me. We're not going to talk much about the Browns the rest of the year or the 49ers at all. So those will absolutely be the other two highlight games. No problem with that. All right. Off and running with our spooky, spooky night of highlight game action starting in England, very haunted London, England over in Twickenham Stadium once again. Uh, this time it'll be the Vikings against the Browns. We uh, talked about winless teams. The Browns 0-7, taking on the Vikings at 5-2. and two. The Browns, I guess, will be the home team. They're, once again, the city of Cleveland getting uh, 
getting a, a date stolen from them uh, over in England. That's tomorrow morning. That's not the uh, the later afternoon uh, night game in England. That's going to be 9.30 a.m. starting tomorrow, Eastern Time, 8.30 Central. For the Vikings versus the Browns, and no surprise, of course, the Vikings are the big favorites. They give 10 points. The Vikings lay 10 on the road in England against the Browns. Jason, who you got? Yeah, we talk about spooky matchups. This one definitely uh, fits the bill. You got the Browns, who've started three different quarterbacks in three straight weeks. And you just you don't know. And I don't know, and I don't even care who's starting tomorrow because <laughs> I would have to say the odds are that whoever starts the game won't finish it. I don't know what Hugh Jackson is doing. Um, he's, he, you know, you talk about teams that play not to lose, end up losing. He is a coach that's trying not to get fired. He is coaching not to get fired. He's going to get fired. No. You cannot this horribly mismanage your offense. It, what, you know, what are they doing with Deshaun Kaiser? Cody Kessler is, is a joke. Everybody knows what he is. And, and then this other kid, this Hogan kid came in through what, two pick sixes in his one start? I just, you know what I want to see? I want to see all three of those guys play tomorrow. That would be the, in the same formation. Right? Yeah. Well, put all three of them on the field at the same time. Right. So that you never, so that you actually never know who the quarterback is because they don't know who's going to be week to week. So how about we just don't know who it's going to be on play to play or do the, I thing like that, it. Yeah, do the thing that Dan Reeves did a few years ago when he was alternating quarterbacks. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Back <laughs> when John Elway got hurt and you know, John Elway was, uh, was, was missing time. So they're like, well, let's just alternate quarterbacks back and forth. And you know, it, it was just terrible. It, it wasn't the way to manage your offense. It wasn't the way to manage your team. That's with your uh, Hall of Infamy inductee Tommy Maddox, right? Yeah, Tommy Maddox was the one guy, and I forget who the other guy was. Bad. Bad. Just bad. I mean, because that whole thing was a joke. And I don't expect this to go very well for the Browns. The Vikings and that defense are not a team that you want to be messing around with, with the quarterback position even though we know that this Vikings team is wounded, you never quite know because you do get those sort of wonky results when they play these London games. But if there is a team that I trust against the Cleveland Browns laying 10, it's the Vikings with that defense. They're not, this might be another shutout. I would not be stunned if we see another game that's a shutout and the Vikings won't have to do much on offense because 13 to nothing. That's a cover, (laughs) right? I mean, that's all it's going to take. And the the Browns, how that coaching staff hasn't completely lost that team yet. I mean, I know I don't, I don't play in the pros. I, you know, you and I, we don't pretend to. But if you were a player in that locker room and, and you saw the, the craziness going on from your coaches and, 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 and then jerking these guys around, they drafted this kid Kaiser at number one. He looked halfway decent in that first game against Pittsburgh. And – they didn't just, just let him go out there and be terrible. You probably, if you're Hugh Jackson, earned yourself more credibility and probably a chance to continue as the head coach of the Browns if you just let the kid take his lumps and be terrible. I mean, I do seem to recall that it wasn't Troy Aikman 1-15 in, in his first season in, in Dallas. It wasn't Peyton Manning 
terrible in his first season in Indy. You've got to let these guys go out. If you're going to draft him number one and you're going to play him, let them play, let them be terrible. Because otherwise now you've just sort of relegated a number one pick to being a distraction. And Deshaun Kaiser even went so far as to, to have to tweet out that he doesn't intend on being a distraction to the team, which <laughs> that's sort of cryptic in its own, in its own rights. Um, so yeah, I, I have to love the Vikings and, and, and given this number, I mean, how can you not? <laughs> Locking it up over in bloody England. It's not even a home date. Uh, yeah. Talk about trying to straddle the fence and not making up your mind. I, I totally see your point of go ahead and send the kid out there, let him get his lumps. I also even see the side of hold him back because you don't want to, you don't, you don't want him to turn into the next uh, David Carr and have him get beat up so much that he loses his desire to, to play football, basically. But pick one or the other, Hugh Jackson. What I don't know what this shit is that you're doing with the put him in there, yank him out for a game, start somebody else the next week, uh, and then start him again. He's he's scheduled to start again tomorrow. I don't I don't even get it. Uh, then there's other drama if you keep up with. It's almost like a TMZ team at this point when you try to dissect the storylines behind some of these moves. Rumor has it that he benched him for Kevin Hogan against the Texans because he didn't want to expose him against Deshaun uh, Watson and the Texans, who the Browns could have drafted instead of Kaiser, but chose to move down in the draft uh, so that they could draft Kaiser. Uh, the rumor, there's another rumor that Watson, uh, or not Watson, but Kaiser was then benched uh, the next week when he got his starting job back again uh, because he had been all partying and wound up not performing well during the game where he got his start back last week. He got benched for Cody Kessler. Now he's back starting again. Um, uh, he very well might get benched uh, again tomorrow. No one seems to know. I, I kind of like your plan of playing all three of them, maybe at the same time, a super triple wildcat. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's a circus. It's uh, it's pretty much, you know, it's what it looks like out there. Just a bunch of guys running around at warp speed, and you don't know who's going where and who's doing what. Uh, it's so funny that you talked about it might be another shutout because on my little sheet, my little scratch sheet here, short notes for each game, uh, I actually have two words written down for this game. Another shutout? Question mark? <laughs> so I was thinking the exact same thing with you. I'm not going to lock it up, but I agree it's, it's hard not to take the Vikings in this scenario. We should talk slightly about the Vikings uh, since they're the team that we're taking, even if it's for one second, just to note that Stefan Diggs looks like he's a go and he's going to return tomorrow for the Vikings uh, for another weapon for Case Keenum. Uh, but that's about all you have to do to break that down is, is Diggs is back. The Vikings uh, have that stout defense. All their trends are going uh, in one direction and all of the Browns trends are going in another direction, except I will have this one small bit of positivity for the Browns, perhaps that their pass defense is improving at the, in the Vikings Passing offense has been falling. 
it was hard to sustain how high they were behind Sam Bradford and then Case Keenum a few weeks ago. They definitely have stumbled a little bit in that area, uh, but I, I think they'll probably do some damage on the ground against Cleveland, even though the Browns look like a good run defense, uh, because they're just going to be able to pound the rock. They don't have to go through the air. If the Browns can't score, as we both think they, they might not score any points, then Minnesota doesn't have to rely on the passing game. They can actually concentrate on running the ball and give Latavius Murray and, and Jarek McKinnon 30 carries, which I, I, I would advise them to do. Just minimize the damage, get that game over as quick as possible tomorrow, and give everybody their Sunday mornings back. Because as little time as you can spend on this game, uh, the fewer minutes, the better, is what I say. So I will agree with you and take the Vikings. And that's all we got to say about that. <laughs> On to our second highlight game. Uh, Jason, are you there? Did you drop off? Or I am here. Okay, well, something happened. Uh, are you on the um, the the main line, the the whole line now, or is that me coming in and out? Is it? I'm here. Okay. It was. Uh, it was saying that the the host line was up, and then yeah, it's it gave disconnected me, it gave again. me a weird. It gave me a weird. Uh, it gave me a weird message again. So I yeah. clicked off of it. Okay. All right, that distracted me. That's all. I, I was like, wait a minute. I know I clicked off of the main line. So it's, it's supposed to be just you and me on the. On the <laughs> that's right. The ghost in the machine are trying to mess with the with the show now. Yeah, it's been that kind of been that kind of season, quite frankly, uh, in our picks so far. For our second highlight game, we go to the Philly, the, the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the San Francisco 49ers, the other winless team in football, and we'll see if they can see if they can get off the schneid. The spooky 49ers at 0-7, 0-4 on the road, uh, going to Philadelphia, who is. Six and one and three and zero oh at home, and coming off of a very impressive win on Monday night against the Redskins, where Carson Wentz got MVP chance, and everyone talks about the Eagles as the best team in football now. They look so dominant on both sides of the ball, and it's no surprise that that's the biggest spread of the week. San Francisco gets 13 big points at Philadelphia. At this point, I will spend a little bit of time on Philly because I have to sort of justify the pick that I'm going to make. So I will bring up that I watched the entire game Monday night, not just the part where the Eagles looked awesome and Carson Wentz was hitting everybody in stride and getting MVP chance and dominating, not just the part where the Eagles defense was taking over and, and kind of shutting down the Redskins uh, as they tried to make their comeback attempt, but I watched the whole game. That includes the beginning of the game when it wasn't quite looking that great for the Philadelphia Eagles. Nobody will remember that the Eagles' first drive of the game against the Redskins on Monday night started with three penalties on the first three plays and immediately followed by 12 men in the huddle. They were in a severe hole starting that game Carson Wentz in frustration threw up a, a basically a punt pick, uh, one of those interceptions where it's just drop back deep, throw it as deep as you possibly can, and if it gets picked, whatever. That's exactly what he did, just in total frustration. 
they did not start off that game great. The, the, the Eagles coverage, pass coverage on defense was sorely lacking because Kirk Cousins was making a bunch of nice throws early in that game as well. I, I recall Niles Paul, like the third tight end, had a 32-yard pass play. I recall Vernon Davis, the second tight end, had a, a lot of good pass plays. The Eagles looked awesome in the second half, not necessarily in the first half. I think it's time for everyone to step back a little bit off this Eagles bandwagon. They were so high on Monday night after that game was over. Everyone had them on such a pedal. So I think it's time for everybody to sort of ease up a little bit on all the Eagles love. There's a lot of mistakes that they made in that game that get overlooked because of how excellent the comeback was. I don't have a whole lot of love or propping up to give to the San Francisco 49ers. We talked a little bit about how competitive they had seemed to be. Uh, You thought they would keep that going against the Cowboys last week and lock them up to cover the spread at home because they had been competing and the Cowboys came in, the arrested Cowboys team off the bye and blew their doors off. But they had been competitive. The the C.J. Beathard kid at quarterback doesn't look like any great shakes. But even with all of that, I'm going to say that the 49ers will cover that huge 13-point spread, Uh, maybe not necessarily because of anything great that they do, but because the Eagles have been hyped over the moon off of that Monday night game just crazily. Uh, There's a couple of other factors that I like that makes me like San Francisco. Uh, Jordan Hicks was making plays all year, uh, one of the Eagles linebackers. They have a whole lot of talented guys on their defense, but Jordan Hicks was one of them. Everyone may forget at the beginning, at the beginning of that game, Jordan Hicks uh, tearing up his ankle, uh, trying to cover Vernon Davis on that very first seam pass that he caught. So Hicks is out. Uh, it's a, a potential big piece that's missing. And another factor, like I said, I looked at the weather. So many heavy rain in this game. It's going to be hard for Carson Wentz to go crazy and and have another big four-touchdown performance. Uh, If there's a lot of rain in the air, I think it's going to possibly affect both teams' performances, going to keep the score down, and that will definitely help in me covering a big number. So I will take San Francisco and all 13 of those points. Wow. You took us – there's a scary pick right there. No, I've got the (laughs) Eagles here. I am giving all 13 of these points. I'm not even worried about the fact that there's going to be weather because the Eagles can play really good defense. The 49ers are going to be going on the road. They're already going to be a little uptight. The Eagles are they are probably the best team right now, obviously record-wise, but they're probably the best team in the NFC at the moment. I think we broke this down with a couple other teams maybe in the mix. Um, as sort of like a 1A or a 1B, you know, we're only, we're not even at that halfway point yet for most of these, for any of these teams um, to really get a full sense of where it's going to be and how it's going to shake out. But I don't trust CJ Beathard. I don't trust the 49ers here at all. If the Eagles end up having to run the ball in the rain, I'll go with LeGarrette Blunt. I'll, I'll take a big bruising running back and a punishing defense to, to hold down the 49ers. I could see this being still blowout potential. It's going to all come down to the, it's, it's, you know, when you're up and given, you know, 13 at home. So you're, you're basically, you've got to cover a huge number 
you can't allow a lot of points. And I don't think that the Eagles are going to be in a position where they're just going to give up a lot. They played a tough division opponent last week that was motivated. I mean, you saw them come out. Washington came out early. They were on fire. They were moving the ball. And the Eagles slowly adjusted and wore them down. And and Carson Wentz started making plays. And there just weren't enough plays on the field for the Redskins to keep up. I don't think that's going to be a problem for the Eagles against the 49ers. I don't think this is another shutout potential type game, (laughs) especially if there's weather. I mean, this feels lopsided to me, and it doesn't feel like it's going to even have to be like a major blowout. This could just be a very workmanlike 24-7, 24-10 kind of game. I wouldn't even be surprised if it's relatively close at halftime, maybe within a touchdown, and then the Eagles get the bigger plays in the second half, maybe something on defense, a pick, a slip in the rain all of a sudden turns into something if there is weather involved in the game. So I like the Eagles. I don't love this pick. When I saw the line, my first inclination was to take the 49ers. Just looking at it until I actually started to think about it. And I was like, you know, I think that's just being scared and taking the big number for me. And they can't can't be scared. The team that usually wins is also usually 80% of the time. It's also the team that covers. So I'll play the odds here that the that the home team here, the Eagles, is going to be 13 points better than the Niners. Yeah, that's fair enough. Our third highlight game is the one that we both thought would definitely be the spooky game this week because both teams have lousy records. The 2-5 and five Indianapolis Colts going to Cincinnati to face the 2-4 and four Bengals, and yet it's the second biggest spread of the week. I... Very surprised when I saw that, so maybe that belies my pick, or maybe not. Uh, but the two and five Colts with uh, with Jack Brisket are ten and a half point underdogs at Andy Dalton and the two and four Bengals. Jason, what's your pick? Boy, <laughs> that is a big number considering how awful the Cincinnati Bengals have been so far. And we were both on board last week with the Colts. And once again, on the wrong side of a blowout, there's us. We've both this that you want to talk about how crazy this year's been. Just take a look at how many times one or the other of us have been on the wrong side of just absolute no contest blowout games. Very rare that you get it to this degree where something that looks competitive and looks compelling ends up going onto the field and and being the absolute 100% complete and polar opposite of what it felt like going into the game. To the point where anybody who's sitting there right now picking NFL games and thinks that they're, you know, they've unlocked the secret is lying to you because you found out in the worst possible way, how fast thinking, you know, what you're doing turns around and all of a sudden you're like with the rest of us and pulling our hair out. I don't know what to expect, but maybe wrongly, I am going to still default to my position that I was sitting on last week. And yeah, the, the, the Colts played a better team last week than the Cincinnati Bengals, who are not very good, who looked like a give-up team all year. Their coach is going to get fired. I look for a little bit more fight 
out of the Colts, hopefully 10 and a half points worth. I am going to go ahead and take the points and not love it at all. <laughs> Colts 0 and 3 on the road so far this year, but Cincinnati only 1 and 2 at home. Uh, possible big injury for the Colts. Uh, John Simon, the linebacker, the former Houston Texan, have been making some plays for them in run defense. He will not play tomorrow. Uh, will Indy? Will Indianapolis bounce back from that embarrassment uh, hosting Jacksonville last week? And then will Cincinnati bounce back from the embarrassment uh, when they went up to Pittsburgh and lost all their discipline? So it's, I thought it was evenly matched at the beginning of the week. I still think it's sort of an evenly matched game, and, and that spread is still very, very surprising. So I had to go to some metrics to see if I could break this down a little further and figure out how which way I want to lean in this one. The Colts are actually trending upward in running offense. I talked about Marlon Mack wants to take over Frank Gore's job, so maybe he's going to get more and more of a of a role as the as the season goes on. The Bengals are actually trending up in passing offense, so a, a little bit of that Dalton to AJ Green magic. He's discovered a, a new tight end weapon in Croft, who uh, takes over for Tyler Eifert, who's out for the year. So there's a little uh, chemistry developing there. Uh, I actually like the stat about sacks and, and pressures and, and getting after the quarterback. I thought that was, was pretty telling because the Indianapolis Colts this season and, and Jack Brisket, I don't know what he's doing back there, but the Colts and that offensive line has allowed 29 sacks of Jack Brisket so far this year, 29 sacks. You need some perspective, of course, with that, so you need to know some other numbers. We talk usually about bad offensive lines. We usually default to the Packers trying to protect Aaron Rodgers. They've given up 24 sacks on the year, five less than the Colts, uh, tied with Arizona for second worst in the league. We talk about Seattle and Russell Wilson when you talk about lines that can't protect their quarterback. They've only given up 14 sacks. Now, Wilson, of course, is very mobile and is, is able to escape a lot of sack situations. But 29 is sort of mind-blowing through seven games of, of a season. That is quite the rate that they're going at. The Bengals have sacked the quarterback 18 times themselves. So I'm actually going to wind up thinking that whatever happens in the first half, Cincinnati can, can build on their passing chemistry and, and get out to a pretty big lead and then they can rush the quarterback and Jack Brisket will go down as he has been doing all year. There's no reason for that to change. So I'm actually going to take Cincinnati to come through late and wind up covering 10 and a half. Uh, it is a really big number and the Colts have been competitive, but uh, it doesn't bode well for any team that can actually rush the quarterback and actually get some sacks any team that can do that has a great chance to cover a big spread against Indianapolis because right now they are doing as terrible of a job protecting Jack Brisket as, as any team in the league. When you're five worse than the Packers and what they were doing, letting Aaron Rodgers get his ass beat, you know you're terrible. So I'm actually going to take Cincinnati and give ten and a half on the strength of, of, a, of a defensive effort. Yeah, these are some big numbers this week, which we should expect with these lopsided matchups. That's the whole point to set these lines so big is to get action on both sides. And so far we we we've disagreed on two of these big ones. Yeah. So the, the odds are doing what they're supposed to do.
Now the rest of week eight in the NFL and even more less detail starting with one more double-digit line to get to this week. So we'll start with that one. The Chicago Bears visiting the New Orleans Saints. Mitch Trubisky throwing two times a game or however many that he's going to throw. Uh, and the three and four Chicago Bears, they are 10-point underdogs at Drew Brees and the four and two Saints. Yeah, the one thing that's been proven out so far with this little Bears resurgence also setting back uh, the passing league you know, a good, what, three generations? I mean, I don't know what they've gone back to as far as how far they've set back offensive football. Now it's just become offensive, just offensive football, if you if you want yeah. to watch it. But it's been winning football. The one thing I've learned is that this show has not gone well on the road. I will take the Saints squish. I'm really interested to see if it does play on the road. I'm I'm really interested to see the Chicago defensive backfield, which has been surprisingly competent in making plays. Uh, there's a real test. Go down to the to the Superdome and see what you got holding down the Saints offense. Uh, how about uh, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara? I've been meaning to bring this up ever since the Adrian Peterson trade. How happy are they that Peterson is out of town? Because they've been going off on yeah. the ground for the Saints ever since that happened. Uh, and, and with this whole uh, Trubisky thing, throwing as little as possible by, by John Fox. But guess what John Fox does, as we documented on the last show, when he has guys throw for little or no yardage. He seems to find a way to win the games. Twelve completions the last two weeks for Mitch Trubisky, and they're both wins. Uh, I don't understand the, the chemistry or the, the alchemy behind it at all. But damn it, I'm going to trust it. Give me the Chicago Bears and all ten of those and lock it up because I, I think they can win the game. If that defensive backfield keeps playing the way they've been playing, I think it, they can actually go down to New Orleans and beat the Saints. So we'll see how that works. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. I am. All in on Mitch Trubisky and his three pass attempts. <laughs> the, the Falcons and the Jets uh, could have been a contender for spooky game of the week uh, because of how spooky the Falcons played last week against the Patriots and how spooky the Jets season is probably going to be from this point forward. Uh, the Falcons at three and three, Atlanta uh, will lay six and a half on the road up at New York against the three and four Jets. Yeah, that Falcons offense has just not gotten on track at all. I don't know if this is the spot where they can do it. I think if they're going to win, they're going to win ugly. If it's going to be raining in Philadelphia, that means there's a good chance it's going to be raining in New York which means I like I don't like that team anywhere near as much, especially if it's, if it's a slow track. I will take the Jets to cover this number. I think the Falcons can win, but I think the Jets have got enough in them to keep this within, that, within seven. I could hear the pain in your voice when you said, I will take the Jets. I've known you long enough that I could hear how much that hurt you to, to say those words. It, it shouldn't be this way. That's the whole point. That's what makes it. That's what makes it hurt. Is that this this Falcons team is clearly better than what they've played. I just don't know if this is the spot where they turn it around. You are absolutely right about the weather. Every game up uh, in the Northeast is going to be affected by some rain and wind, with the exception of the Patriots game. It isn't going to get up to uh, the Boston area until later on after that game's over. Uh, yeah, heavy rain and wind expected in the Meadowlands for this one. Uh, so that would seem to favor the uh, the less finesse team, which would certainly be the Jets. 
But I just still think Atlanta, that you got to get right. You got to get right somewhere along the way. And this is the team to do it against as far as I'm concerned. And I still think the Falcons are going to bounce back after the whole 28-3 to and the New England Patriots and whatnot. And I know they got embarrassed last week, but it's over now. Maybe there's some post-traumatic situation that they can lift the burden off of their shoulders. I'm actually going to trust Atlanta and give the seven points. I think they can rely on their running game with uh, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman more than most finesse passing teams uh, throughout the years. They actually have a run attack they can go to in in these bad conditions. So I'm actually going to trust Atlanta to get it done that way. Oakland travels to Buffalo, uh, another West Coast team going east. Uh, There's a couple of those this week. Three and four Raiders are actually two and a half point underdogs of the four and two, surprisingly four and two Buffalo Bills. I think Oakland showed me a lot last week coming back from uh, coming back in that game against the Chiefs. I think Derek Carr showed that he was healthy. Uh, the Chiefs vastly superior opponent than the Buffalo Bills are, although the Bills, they do shut you down through the air and they have been a surprising team. But I believe that talent's going to win out in this one. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Raiders on the road. Oakland on a 10 day rest after the Thursday night a miraculous victory with uh, three or four different opportunities uh, against the Chiefs to get untimed downs, but they they got it done. They won the game. You can't take the W away. Uh, Traveling east, uh, Buffalo, you think would have to take to the air against the Oakland Raiders because, as I keep hammering home, I hate the the, uh, Oakland Raiders' pass defense. I hate those cornerbacks. Again, no David Amerson or Gary and Conley to, to help back them up. Uh, Beast Mode is suspended. We knew about that last week. So they'll split the right back between uh, uh, DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard. Uh, but Buffalo has some significant injuries of their own. Uh, Charles Clay, the tight end, will not play. And cornerback, maybe even more important, cornerback EJ Gaines will not play. EJ Gaines has a 50.5 passer rating against him this year. He has been shutting things down for the Bills, and he won't be there. That is huge. Let's Oakland open up their pass attack, which has been starting to trend up again now that Amari Cooper has got rid of the drop seeds, at least. It seems like he's gotten rid of them, so I would go with you as well and take the more talented team, the Oakland Raiders, in this one. The uh, San Diego Clippers and the New England Patriots, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, or whatever they're called, uh, the three and four Chargers, another West Coast team going east. They are seven-point underdogs at the five and two Patriots. Yeah, Patriots seem to be molding themselves into midseason form here. It's it's proven throughout this history of Bill Belichick's career here that his teams improve as we get deeper into the season. Their defensive woes seem to have been shored up a little bit. I don't like – if there's ever a team that you don't like going west to east, it's the Clippers. I'm going to go ahead and, and give the seven and take the Patriots here and just run and hide with that number. A lot of people concerned about the Patriots' defense maybe getting another hole opened up in them because of the injury to Dante Hightower. Their playmaking linebacker is out for the rest of the year, as it turns out. So I'm, I'm worried as well about that. Uh I'm also kind of scared for the for the Falcons. You know why? Because if the 
Chargers go up there, if the Clippers go and are more competitive in New England than the Falcons, I don't know what that says about the Falcons. I'd really be afraid of them in, in, in that spot. Um, the uh, the Chargers have a problem in their running game. Uh, Mel Gordon has a foot injury, and even so, even if he's out there, I don't know if he's going to do too much, and that's really bad news trying to limit yourself against the Patriots. Um, I will trust the Patriots here and give the seven points uh, along with you. And uh, but boy, I'm I, I'm really am scared if Philip Rivers can unlock something there that that Matt Ryan can't uh, could not unlock last week, then it's really really bad for Atlanta, Carolina, and Tampa Bay. Uh, this one is going to be interesting because two of the more maddening, inconsistent quarterbacks out there. Uh, in Cam Newton and Jameis Winston, and then it's going to be windy as hell, apparently. So that that might be the Benny Hill music. Uh, get get that on cue for this game. We might have a, a lot of uh, fluttering passes and, and interceptions to talk about when that one's over. Uh, four and three, Carolina, one and a half point dogs at two and four, Tampa Bay. Yeah, I still do think that Tampa Bay ultimately – is the better team here, although their record and the way that they've played so far hasn't indicated it. I am realistically, I think this is just a home and away split type issue. I think this, if this game was at Carolina, I'd probably lean towards Carolina, Tampa Bay. They need to get right. I think they need this game more than the Panthers do. Sometimes that team that's desperate for a win that's better than they've been playing shows up. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Tampa. And again, as with all my picks, I don't love it, but I'll take it. <laughs> Luke Keekley will be back out there for the Panthers for about three or four Billy plays before concussed. he gets concussed again. Until he gets concussed. But he might be a big emotional, emotional boost for those three or four plays. I think these teams are pretty evenly matched, so I, I think the tipping point is the fact that the, the Carolina defense much, much better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. How many sacks they have on the season of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the whole season? Seven sacks. Six games, wow. seven sacks for the entire season. So they even with the, the Colts yet. That, that's true. They might get 15 on, on that one game alone. So even with the win, Cam Newton back there with time, uh, obviously he's going to have all the time in the world. I, I, get, I think that's going to be a big factor, and I will take the Panthers to come through and win that game. Houston goes up to Seattle in one of the only two late afternoon games on the schedule. Uh, three and three Texans and Deshaun Watson make the big road trip to the, I still think the toughest stadium to play for any road team. Uh, Houston six and a half. They get six and a half points at the four and two Seattle Seahawks. Houston's been very good and very competitive. And if this team can go up to New England, and do what it did, it can definitely go on the road with their defense against that suspect Seahawks uh, offensive line, put Russell Wilson on the move. Deshaun Watson won't be afraid. I think the Texans go up there and get the win. I actually totally concur. I, I actually can see Houston winning the game as well. Uh, it's good to see Bob McNair was able to ship his inmates up to Seattle for that game. I'm glad the, the plane made it on time. Uh, yeah, I think Seattle and, and all their trouble protecting Russell Wilson is going to finally come back to bite them because Houston can get after your quarterback, even with uh, J.J. Watt hurting out for the year. Um, and, and I think Deshaun Watson – 
maybe uniquely qualified, as you've talked about on the show before, uh, how impressed you were sitting there in a casino watching Deshaun Watson carve up the Alabama defense in college, uh, that he's got no fear of any situation. There's nothing too big for him. So maybe even this situation overcoming going to Seattle and CenturyLink Field and that incredibly insane home crowd, uh, I think even he can overcome that. And I think the, the Texans uh, are helped by Seattle uh, trending down in the run defense and, and he still come in fresh off the bye and ready to do some groundwork, uh, not just the running backs, but also Deshaun Watson, very mobile as well. And I think that's going to help them grind out sort of a, a lower scoring, uh, big time physical battle victory over the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are, are a lot like the Steelers, and, and I think the the Titans fit into this category as well. I think all those teams are going to be much better in the second half of the year. There's some gelling and some things they have to sort of get on the same page, and I think they're they're going to have much better second halves than first halves. Uh, so I agree with you. I think uh, Houston absolutely can win that game. Dallas and Washington, uh, Cowboys and Indians in the NFC East. Dallas going into Washington as a one-and-a-half point favorite, three-and-three three Dallas, gives one-and-a-half at three-and-three three Washington. Yeah, I did. You know, you look at the seasons for both of these teams, you would not expect that these would be both teams at three-and-three three with the same record. I mean, you would have to look just on paper – and say that the tipping point would be that the Cowboys have been the better team to this point so far. Well, since this is the season that makes no sense, I'll take the Redskins. Why not? Sure. Why not? Tough division uh, game, you know, it got to, got to jump sometimes and just go with the gut. Sure. You like that? You like that? Yeah. All right, Kirk, we, we like that. Uh, I'm gonna agree, but I, I just because it's I'm so, so convinced. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just it's such a close matchup. They're both three and three. Dallas two and one on the road. Washington two and one at home. All the metrics are sort of canceling each other out. It's so even on the on on paper that I can see it being a one point game either way. And since Dallas gives one and a half, how about that for being cute, huh? Wow. <laughs> one point either way, we still win the pick. Sunday night is the Steelers and the Lions. Pittsburgh at five and two on the road. The field goal. Pittsburgh minus three at the three and three Detroit Lions. Yeah, I think we saw what the Steelers were all about. They really do get up for the games they need to get up for. But once again, on the road, non-conference opponent. Didn't we see this with the Chicago Bears? I'll take the Lions. Price mm, is not going to be happy with that. Uh, I can't get over the fact that we've seen how little the lions can, can get separation, their wide receivers and the young, fast Pittsburgh Steelers defense uh, against Matthew Stafford. And that slow as Detroit wide receiving core. I, I got to go with the Steelers. I got to give the three points. And I love uh, the, the Steelers coach saying the hell with Martavis Bryant uh, and just saying you're deactivated for this game. And I'm not going to bother with you. Monday night is the Broncos and the Chiefs. Denver at three and three gives seven points at the five and two Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I think the, the Broncos—they've really been letting me down ever since that fast start that they had to the season. 
I think the Chiefs get a little revenge from that last loss, plus 10 days to think about it. I'm looking for the Chiefs to open up a can on the Broncos. Chiefs squish. I don't know. Both teams have been sort of trending down and disappointing me uh, in, in that respect. 